Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben, and in this episode of the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast, we're talking with a trophy-winning American pit bastard who's been here so many times. He's an honorary Australian. Hey family, I hope you're well wherever you are and you got that thin blue smoke rolling. This is a super cool time for us here at Smoking Hot Confessions. We've got Sterling Smith, the one-man navy that is Luton Booty Barbecue. This guy is absolutely dominating the barbecue scene over in America. He does so many different things and we're going to be super lucky to be able to talk about that with him very shortly. Now before we get into that, I do have a couple of announcements. Now, before we get into that, I do have a couple of announcements that I do need to run by you. The first is I'd like to welcome our podcast partner for this episode, OzPig. If you're out there, you're looking for the ultimate camp cooker, do check them out. They're they're a cooking stove, they've got uh, grill tops, they've got heating racks, they've got rotisseries, they've got smoker attachments. You can basically take all of the barbecue that you love to cook at home, you can take it out in the bush when you go out camping, when you're going caravanning. It's a beautiful bit of gear. We've got one here in the yard and we just love it. Now, if you're at the beginning of your barbecue journey and you'd like to uh, get some more information to help you get started, head on over to to our website, smokinghotconfessions.com, and pick up the Beginner's Guide to Real Barbecue. It's a free ebook that we've made available for you. It was recently awarded by the NBBQA for educational writing, so it's a really good read, and it's everything you need to know to go from zero to hero in the world of low and slow barbecue. And if you're joining us this morning for this live podcast recording, welcome, welcome, welcome uh, to the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue community on Facebook. If you would like to come and join and be a part of that, head on over to Facebook. It's the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue community. It's a really nice little corner of the internet. We just hang out, talk about barbecue, and you get to interact with our guests here on the show. It's It's a good time. Now, if you're catching this later on on the replay, on YouTube, give us a thumbs up, the subscribe, and hit that little notification bell. Over on Facebook, it's all about the likes, the comments, and the shares. Facebook particularly gets excited about all the shares, so give us a share. That'd help us out. And over on uh, Instagram TV, IGTV, it's all about the little love hearts, the comments, and the follows as well, so you get notified next time we go live. And if you're listening in on a podcasting app, particularly if it's Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating and review. It's super helpful and helps push us up the charts. And in the last 30 days, we've actually been as high as number six on the USA food charts for for food, but the podcast charts for food. And in Australia, we've been as high as number three. So that all comes down to those ratings and reviews. So they're super helpful and we really do appreciate it. Now, getting back to uh, our guest today, he's an honorary Australian, Sterling Smith from Luton Booty Barbecue. He's a competitive team, a rub, sauce, and pretzel manufacturer, a brand ambassador with Green Mountain Grills, and lives a lifestyle that most of us can only dream about, traveling not just around the United States, but around the world, going to various different competitions and uh, and, and whatnot as well. So I think that's about all the uh, introduction you need to get out of me. Let's go talk to Sterling. This is the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast with your host, Ben Arnott. How long has it been since your last confession? Sterling, mate, welcome to the confessional, my friend. It is great to see you again. Hey, thanks, Ben. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate uh, you reaching out. Good time right now. Thank you. 
Oh, mate, any time. I, I was thrilled that you had some availability to, to fit us in because I know your schedule is just flat out at the moment. Yeah, it's starting to pick up and, you know, it's barbecue time. It's summer in America right now. So everything that was canceled, it seems like, you know, during a situation last year, uh, everything's starting to come back and it's starting. It's, it's actually starting this weekend in Kansas City with the Kansas City Barbecue Festival. So I leave tomorrow to host the Green Mountain Grill demo stage with that. And it's a really exciting time to, to be able to get back on on the road and, and do what we do with barbecue. Yeah, yeah. Now, there, there, there has been a couple um barbecue competitions in the, in the last couple of weeks. And one I saw was one that you did on the 4th of July. I think I saw if I was tracking your social media posts right. Um, I was I was in the States in 2006 for 4th of July, and I know that, it, that that's a real wild time. And I know the barbecue comps are also a real wild time. So what's it like when you have a barbecue competition on 4th of July? Well, actually, this past, this past weekend was 4th of July, and I didn't have an event. That was actually one weekend that I had free. And so we went out on the lake with my wife, with some friends who had a, a pontoon boat, just enjoyed the weekend. Uh, so that was actually one weekend we didn't have any anything going on. But I've been at events that have things like July 4th or a, a New Year's Eve or something attached to it when, you know, you got people out partying and having a good time. And, you know, that's to me what barbecue is all about, not only getting out there and cooking, but enjoying the experience. And, you know, when they're attached to an event like a July 4th or or a New Year's or, or whatever it may be, those are always, uh, you know, elevated extra good time. Yeah, no, no doubt about that at all. I must have uh, uh, fallen victim to that trick of uh, scheduled posts and whatnot. And I just saw you had a <laughs> you, you had a photo come up on the 4th of July. I went, oh, wow, he's at a competition on the 4th of July. So tell me. Oh, you know what? You... That was from the American. That was actually a picture from the American Royal several, several years ago that we caught the American flag at a perfect moment, you know, with, with the smokers in the background. And, and that was just a picture from a previous, previous event. Ah, okay. Gotcha. Nice. So when you do go out to the lake with your family, are you barbecuing when you're out there or is that your, is that your holiday from barbecue? You're like, no, I'm going to just eat noodles. What do you do there? <laughs> you know, Oh, it was a friends of ours. So when I am invited or my wife and I are invited, I love to cook for people. I just do. So I always bring, I actually brought a couple racks of lamb because I like to introduce people to lamb, uh, especially here in America because it's not that popular. So I brought a couple racks of lamb, some tenderloin, and, you know, there's always a grill wherever you go. So, you know, we lit up the gasser and, and did some rack of lamb for them with some chimichurri sauce. And, you know, it was awesome. They loved it. And, so when I'm invited to something like that, I love cooking for, for people. You know, that's, that's kind of what I do. Um, but going back to your, you know, question, after a barbecue class or a competition, to me, there's nothing better than a big old thing of noodles, you know, a funnel cake, something other than a rich, fatty meat. <laughs> Basically anything Sushi's other than barbecue. Good. Yes, I love Asian food. Yeah, yeah. Now, you were just mentioning lamb there before. Now, that's a that's a competition cut over here and you've come over here several times and beaten us in lamb, but I know that <laughs> lamb is not, it's, it's not particularly popular in the States. So do you sort of go out of your way to go find that lamb in the States to practice? How do you, how do you go about doing it in, in the States? Yeah. Even though it's not that popular, you know, you do see cuts at places like Costco. Um, a lot of local butchers here in town carry it. You know, Colorado lamb is popular. 
but the stuff that we get at Costco, you'll we it even says on the package that it's Australian or New Zealand lamb. But a lot of the stuff that we get here is coming over from Australia, New Zealand, and um, uh, to me, that's some of the best lamb. It's you know it it tastes like what it ate, and the environment there is perfect for that animal. So you know, I love like you said, I love introducing people to that, taking that cut, and I'll get a lot of people, and I, I teach classes across the country, and I do lamb and. I always ask the class, you know, who here likes lamb? And, you know, out of 30 or 40 people, I'll get one or two people that say, yes, I like <laughs> lamb. And then I ask, you know, who doesn't like lamb? And I get 10 to 15 people say, no, that's not my thing. And then I always ask this, who doesn't know if they like lamb? And I'll get most of those people who said they didn't, they'll raise their hand like, you know, I'm really not sure if I do like it or not. And then I cook it, I serve it, and then I ask the same question. All right. Who likes lamb? And I have over half. Uh, I'll usually have a majority of the class saying, yeah, you know what? I like it now. It was cooked right. Maybe I had it at a time where, you know, the fat wasn't rendered right or it, it was just cooked to your, not to your liking. So I love being able to introduce that meat to people and having them actually enjoy it and like it. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things that, um, that, uh, that might be a problem with lamb's popularity in America is that you don't sort of strictly have lamb per se so lamb is is when the animal's um about 12 months old is when it gets processed whereas yeah. in america um from people i've been talking to in america the lambs that are processed sorry the sheep that are processed in america are typically older which is technically mutton and as the right. lamb gets mutton. older it, it it takes on a different a much different flavor absolutely it doesn't it's lamb is almost like that veal of the cow it's the younger meat it's going to be more tender and usually when it's more tender you got more flavor you got all that. Um, as it animal ages, you know, it's going to get tighter, more stricter proteins. And like you said, that aging of that meat is going to be a little bit different. So a pe- well, people probably had that aged out meat that didn't taste like a good, proper young lamb, you know, butchered at the prime time in its life. Um, but being able to, to cook that meat and going over to Australia and, and cooking it over with you guys. And to me, that was just amazing time to, I, I pick up a lot of, of what you guys did, you know, BA, before I came and competed, I was looking at those Australian Facebook pages and looking at the boxes, you know, you got to do as much Intel as possible. You know, uh, a lot of what you see here is, you know, maybe one cut of meat in the box and with lamb is really cool. You guys love to cook the loins, the ribs, you know, some pulled, some shanks in there. And so it really shows the cooking ability that you guys have down in Australia to cook, and master not only one, you know, protein from that animal, but to put three or four different cuts in the box and nail it every time. It's, it's, that shows a, a pit master and somebody who really knows how to cook proteins, not just barbecue, you know. Yeah, yeah. So when you're doing all that uh, research on the Australian lamb uh, hand-ins and that, did you find a, like a particular team that you sort of modeled yourself on? Like, like who, who inspired you with the lamb? The most. Yeah, you know, I mean, I looked a lot of what, you know, the guys at the time, you know, you always know who's on the leaderboards because you can go and research that. So at that time I was coming over, it was the guys like um, the Beard and the Barbecue and Smoke Face Grillers was out there. You know, Dan was coming up uh, from Big Smoke. Oh, Weber Kettle guys, you know, those, I love those guys. They're, they're like family to me and Dan from Big Smoke and several of these guys have just brought me in and made me feel like family. But at the time, I, everything I was looking, Booma, 
always had his boxes have always been spot on and, and just beautiful. So a lot of those guys, I was looking at what they were doing and that helped me a lot to figure out, you know, what I needed to turn in. And other than that, it's just cooking it right. <laughs> you know, it, it can be as beautiful as it is, but it's got to taste good and it's got to be tender and it's got to, it's got to knock them off the feet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's a, like a real bit of a buzz for us to hear an American pitmaster saying that they found some inspiration in 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 what Australians are doing. Because usually it's us looking at looking at the Americans, going, "Oh wow, how are they doing that? That's so good. I want to I want to do that just like that." So that's that's really nice for us to be able to hear that that's starting to come back the other way there as well. One hundred percent. To me, if you're not learning, you know, if you're not listening, if you're not taking in any of that stuff, you're going to fall behind. You got to constantly learn. Uh, it doesn't matter who it's from. And um, if I'm going to go there to Australia, what better people to learn from than people who are actually there cooking, doing it, and ha- doing the hand-ins. That's, that's where I'm going to learn is the people who are actually doing it. And like I said, it's not popular here in America, so we didn't do a lot of lamb, and I needed to get as much information as possible. One of the things that I've grown up with was, you know, mint, mint with lamb. And honestly, I'm not a mint person. I just don't like it on my food. So I would, <laughs> some of the intel I would do is whenever I asked an Australian person, okay, about lamb, do you like mint? Do you serve it with mint? And, and the worst thing I got is I had 50% of the people say, yeah, we like it with mint. And 50% said, no, I don't do it with mint. So <laughs> I, I was lost on that one. I was lost on that one. I had to roll the dice. And I went without mint, obviously, because that's not what I like. And, you know, the judges seem to like it that way. That, that On that day. Well, you actually won um, lamb at, at a meat stock, didn't you? Um, actually it was at the 2017, uh, Australian Invitational, the first year oh, they had it, it in Sydney at the, uh, Australian hotel. And, um, they invited me, I GC'd that year actually, and took first in lamb. And then they invited me back in 2018. That was when it was on the, I think the Sydney ground, the ground. That's when Black Bear uh, started promoting it. That was the first year Black Bear promoted it. And then I took lamb again in 2018, first place in lamb. Um, and chicken so and um, came back in 19 I was I think I was seventh in lamb somewhere around there and then fourth in lamb I think was at Melbourne meat stock so um, I seem to be in the top 10 every time I've been out there you know I, I just can't wait to come back and do it again beautiful man yeah yeah so do you find that you have to change the cooking methods much if you do get a piece of mutton over there in the states how do you how do you modify what you're doing to suit the the age of the beast and i don't really modify what i'm doing i pick out my meat accordingly to what i'm going to cook i get it from the right resources if i know i'm going to get lamb i'm going to go to my local butcher who knows exactly what cut i'm looking for if i'm looking for a french track lamb you know or a shoulder or some shanks he knows it's going to come from a a, a lamb that he probably got uh, you know half the animal and then he broke it down himself so we have a lot of those butchers and they're making a comeback here what I really loved about my time in Australia is you guys are a lot, it's, it's your local butcher shop. You know, you have your grocery stores and you got some prepackaged meat, but you see all these butcher shops that are, you know, you know, right on the outside of the grocery stores or, you know, locally in town, like Glenn from Char 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 and, uh, you know, Ray of um, George's Fine Meats. Uh, those guys are just phenomenal because, you know, they know where the meat's coming from. They're getting the best of the best and they're, they're cutting it right. So to be able to work with those guys, and to me, that's, you know, that I guess that's part of the game is picking out the right meat. You know, you can 
anybody can cook this meat, but if you pick out the, the one with the most marbling, that's going to give you a, a better window of opportunity to make it right all the time. That, that makes a pit master, that makes a cook, is pit, knowing the, the, the right piece of meat, how to, how to cook it and how to cut it properly and all that. But so I guess going back to your question is, you know, you got you to gotta be able to pick out the right piece of meat first and know exactly what you're cooking. Yeah, some good advice there for sure. Now we were just talking at the at the top of the episode about uh, the competitions coming up in Kansas City. Watching your socials, you seem to be out every couple of days almost. What's your what's your lifestyle like at the moment? Oh man, it's crazy. So this actually event this weekend is not necessarily a competition. It's the Kansas City Barbecue Festival. And what we love about these festivals are, you know, we get pitmasters from all over the country, and they're vending to the crowds. There's bands that are playing. There's food vendors. Um, there's demos. We're actually with Green Mountain Grills. We host a food demo stage. So cool. from when the event opens on Friday, we have pitmasters from Mike from Sugarfire, Todd from Plowboys, uh, Tim from Blues Hog is coming up our stage. Darren Worth, Iowa Smokey D's is doing a demo. Wow. He's out there. Jeff Staney from Casey um, um, Joe's Kansas City. He's going to be out there vending. He's on our stage. We have a, a lot of these Kansas City barbecue guys and then others like James Cruz out of Norman. He's going to be on our stage, and he's out there vending. So to have these people and, and, and cook some, not only the, the barbecue that they're serving to their guests every day, this is giving the, the guests and everybody who's coming out the chance to eat world championship food. Uh, James Cruz, was the, you know, he won spare ribs at Memphis in May. He's cooking those out there. The guys at Blue Sog, Tim won shoulder. You know, they won shoulder. They're cooking that same shoulder and, and serving it to the crowd. So it's a really cool concept that Brian Wabi and Mark Mendolia created. And this is an offshoot from Q in the Lou and uh, Denver Barbecue Festival and soon to be Jacksonville, Bar- Bar- Jacksonville Barbecue Festival. Uh, so this weekend is that. It's the accumulation of vending, bands, food demos. It's just spreading barbecue love. And to be able to be involved with Green Mountain Grills and host the, the stage with all the pitmasters come up. We get a, a lot of good video content content for Green Mountain Grills, but it's also taking that food and, and, and telling the crowd how they can do this at home, you know, easily on their grill and getting able to taste world championship pitmaster barbecue. You know, and I don't know how events are there in Australia. I do know how they are. I've been to several of them, but... I, we just talked about how you keep coming over and cleaning us out. So <laughs> yeah, they're, they're similar to here where you really don't get to taste the food from the competitors. You're tasting a vendor, somebody who's there who's serving barbecue to the crowd. Um, here, you know, you see a lot of these events that are barbecue events, but you can't feed the crowds. And people want to taste what World Championship Barbecue is. So these events actually give those people the opportunity to taste some of these guys' food. And they, they bring amazing stuff to the crowds. And like I said, being on the stage at Green Mountain Grills allows us to share that with the crowds. And then we do samples for the people after everybody's done. And they love it. And we're doing Denver. We're doing Jacksonville. We're doing Q in the Lou. And we're doing them all. And we're doing them all this year. So good, man. That's so good. So how, how often are you like um, away from home? Like you, you're on the road, yeah. you're traveling, you it kind of varies depending on the season. And right now, you know, it's barbecue season across America. This is summer. You know, there's, you know, typically four seasons in Arizona. We have two seasons, summer and summer two. So we're in summer <laughs> two right now where it's, you know, uh, it's, 
it's the middle of it's the middle of Australia is Arizona right now. It's dry, it's arid, there's 115 degrees. It's not much, you know, to do outside. But uh so with these events going on across the country allows me to get out. So this weekend I'm gone. I'll be back home uh the following weekend for a family vacation. You know, you got you gotta have some balance in there. And then um I'll be out again for a teaching and barbecue class in Illinois with my friend Mike from Sugarfire Barbecue. Uh, and we have an SCA event that we're going to be cooking in Saturday. And then Sunday, we'll be teaching the class in Staunton, Illinois, right outside of St. Louis. And then um, let's see, Alamosa Barbecue Competition in August. And then another one in Lubbock, Texas in mid-August. Uh, the American Royals coming up in September. Uh, the Jack is October, which I have a pretty good shot of getting the draw for that. And it just seems like things are starting to pop. but you know, I do build some time in there on the weekends to be able to be at home to take advantage of some of that time. And and with my schedule, I'm really gone a lot on the weekends, but it gives me time to be home, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday during the week to, to do what I have to do, take care of my business, to run that portion, and then be there for my family and, and do what we have to do. And what's really cool about some of these events is my family's been able to uh, experience Australia twice. So they've been to the first time I came out in 2017, they came out to uh, Sydney to the Invitational. And then uh, when I did, I guess we did Melbourne Meat Stock 2018, they came out to Melbourne. So they were able to experience that, that. So it's really cool to have the family involved. And, and honestly, if they didn't love and support what I did, I couldn't be as successful and be able to do what I do you know, right now. So it's, it's, a, it's a balance, but it's starting to pick up. Yeah, it's so good, man. And so I, I guess that your your background as a as a serviceman in the in the navy would they be used to you having time away? Like, would would this would this schedule be be better suited than than that? Like, do they do they enjoy barbecue dad a little bit more than navy dad? How does that how does that sort of play out for you? Yeah, man, my kids never knew navy dad. They came along. Oh, okay. Way. <laughs> they came a long way after. So. And then uh, my wife and I got married after we, after I it was out of the Navy and uh, we both went through college. So they weren't, they were just a twinkle in dad's eye back then. So they didn't get to experience <laughs> the Navy life. Fair <laughs> enough. I guess it's, kind of, it's, it's very similar. <laughs> Rodeo, Navy and barbecue, man. You're all on the road chasing that buckle, right? Chasing that dream. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Something. Now, so are you telling me that, that you also have a, have a career as a rodeo rider? <laughs> rodeo, not, Navy, and barbecue. Not rodeo, but it's just very similar. The lifestyle, it just seems. Yeah, yeah. Now, with that much time on the road and going to all these different events, I mean, you you just told us just a couple of minutes ago, you you've got like three or four different things happening just on one weekend in all different cities. How do you stay motivated with that much time on the road and all those different events and you know setting up and breaking down and all that sort of stuff? Like, how oh, do yeah. you stay? How do you stay focused? Yeah, you honestly, you have to love it. You you have to love barbecue. You got to live, breathe, die, and, and just be involved in, in everything barbecue because there's a lot of work to it. People see the, the glamour side of the videos and being up on stage and doing the demos and they see the awards and they see the travel. They don't see the back end of, you know, scraping down grills. They don't see the travel. They don't see, you know, all the stuff behind the scenes that go into it. To getting to that point. So at the end of the day, if you don't want to do the work, if you don't want to do the hard work, then you can't enjoy the easy work. 
you know, you got to put in time, you know, cleaning those grills and the travel, the way you, you have to invest in that, you know. So there's no staff of hundreds running around cleaning out all your grills for you and oh, packing God, and unpacking? I and I, I wish I had barbecue roadies. Uh, barbecue roadies would be phenomenal. But, um, you know, I've, I've, I've got to that point where, you know, if I'm going to go out there and do something, I'm going to make it happen, you know. And I think everybody who kind of has that mentality of, you know, I quit my full-time corporate business, corporate job in banking. Um, five years ago, you know, I just, you know, cold turkey quit it to run my barbecue business. And it's almost that do or die mentality of, you know, you're going to make this work. If you don't make it work, then you're going to go back to doing something you probably are not passionate about, you know, something you want to wake up every day and say, well, okay, I'm going to go to a job as opposed to, oh, I get to live my life and my career and spread my brand or whatever it may be, you know, um, you've got to put in that time. You've got to put in the energy to do that. G'day and welcome to Ozpeak, creating great meals, great memories and flavor born from fire for over 15 years. Born and designed right here in Australia for Aussie conditions, the Ozpeak range is your best friend for the outdoors. Featuring three stoves in the range, there's one built for adventure, home and in between. And with the oven smoker attachment, you'll totally transform your Ozpeak into your very own portable smoker. There's a huge range of genuine accessories such as the rotisserie and char grill, helping you achieve maximum flavour born from fire. At Auspeak, we stand behind our range and 15 years of development and customer feedback has led us here. Dollar for dollar, you won't find better value. Each unit features a solid three mil steel construction, zinc plated legs, fully steel press shape and robot welded seams. Every Auspeak unit comes with a three year limited structural warranty so when you buy an Auspeak, you can trust that you're buying quality. Got a project you'd like to work on with the SHC team? Shoot Ben an email on ben at smokinghotconfessions.com and let's have a conversation. Alrighty, so now let's get into, uh, into Loot and Booty Barbecue itself, mate. Tell us how, how it all started for you. Yeah, man, I've, you know, I grew up in an, all over, I was, I was born in Memphis, Tennessee, and I was mostly in the South, Mississippi, Florida, and Georgia. So I knew what barbecue was, you know, barbecues on every corner. Um, and I've always, you know, I had a grill, like the, there was some, you know, when I got out of the Navy and started living with, you know, my wife now, we had a grill in the backyard and I like to flip some burgers and, you know, you know, cook some wings every now and then. To me, that was barbecuing, you know, turn your gaster on and throw a steak and burn it, drink a couple beers. That's, that's barbecue. Um, I started working, I told you I was in banking for a while, you know, so I got out of the Navy and I got my degree in finance from Arizona State University. And from then on, I went to, you know, banking career, everything from a branch manager to commercial real estate finance, to small business banking. And there was a new bank that was coming out to Arizona that was based out of Kansas city. And they recruited me over to head up their small business banking unit. And every year this bank has a uh, employee barbecue competition on the grounds of the Kemper Arena, which is oh, where wow. the old American Royal was held. And so it's a morale and welfare thing they do for the employees, you know, to get everybody together. Bands play, a band plays, they have beer, and it's just a really cool thing they do for the employees. And they have branches from, you know, all over America, Colorado, and all over, throughout Missouri. 
So they try to get these teams from each state uh, to represent their barbecue. And I was like, yeah, I can, you know, flip a steak and flip some wings. I'll go out and represent Arizona and, you know, cook barbecue with these guys in Kansas City. So, you know, I get there and people are setting up and I'm seeing people roll in with, you know, RVs and trailer smokers. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, man, I thought I was going to be here with like a gas or Weber some propane and they're going to give me a steak and I'm going to flip it, you know, and drink more beer than I am cooked meat. And then they brought over a brisket because they provided meat and everything. And they brought over a brisket, which looked to me at the time was like a side of a cow because I'm used to a steak. You know, I see this big thing. I'm like, what am I doing with this? I don't even know what to do with it. So uh, I just became fully invested in it. You know, I saw the smokers. I saw the love and the passion, the time that people were putting into this, this hobby, this craft. Everybody was just having a blast. And I said, you know what? This is, this is a cool lifestyle. This is a cool thing. So when I got back home from that event, this is like 2007, I went to Home Depot, which is like your Bunnings, right? And the, I picked up a, a $50 El Cheapo Brinkman grill, a bag of, you know, mesquite wood, some lighter fluid, a pork butt on the way home. I had that thing chugging with smoke coming out of it on everywhere. I'm just surprised the the fire station didn't come and shut me down and just <laughs> blast the whole situation. And I had my wife's parents over at the time, and it was the worst piece of meat, honestly, the worst piece of meat I've ever made in my life. It was a pork shoulder that was black and crusty and sooty on the outside. It didn't pull. It was hard, and I didn't know what I was doing. I had no clue at, at all. And then I just started researching and cooking more. I started, at that time, there were just no barbecue pit masters show. There was no classes that you can go to online. And, you know, I'm sure people were doing classes, but they weren't as accessible as they are now and, and as abundant. But um, so I found the Arizona Barbecue Club. And so I thought, oh, this is awesome. There's a whole club here in town. They put on barbecue events. They host all kinds of stuff. And, I went to some events to started buying smokers. They have a, a competition and 2009 was the first competition I entered as a loot and booty barbecue with a couple of friends of mine and we created the team and um, it just, it spiraled from there. It just, honestly, it, it's gotten to this point to where I think about it, you know, almost 12, 13 years later. And I'm like, you know, I went from, cooking the worst piece of meat in that I've ever had in my life. And the first brisket I ever turned in was like eating a leather shoe. It was just, it was garbage, straight garbage. So, but you know, you look at those times and you look at the hard work and the, the amount of research, the amount of cooks, the amount of charcoal you burnt, the amount of pieces of meat you burnt to get to this point to actually make it right. It's, it's been a journey and a path and that's what makes you better. That's, that's definitely what makes you better is failing. And, and knowing that you can get better because it's not right and just and putting the time, energy and love into it. And uh, like I said, it just spiraled from there. And now I am, you know, I'm, I'm going uh, the class I'm teaching July 23rd will be my 88th barbecue class that I've taught uh, wow. with Green Mountain Grills and then on my own yeah, over the last five years and, and um, being able to do that and spread barbecue love and, I'm working on other projects right now to be able to do that. And, and so it's a good time. Yeah. 88 barbecue classes. That's incredible. With that sort of experience, what are the, what's something that like a one, one lesson you could share from that experience for, for people that are watching or listening that are thinking about putting on a barbecue class of their own. 
Yeah, man, you you, you got to be knowledgeable. You got to know your information. Research as much as you can about proteins, about meat, about how to cook them. And then you got to be able to be relatable. I think that's really understandable is when you're talking to people and instructing, being able to be relatable and, and putting yourself back into those times when I was in my <laughs> backyard burning meat because I had no clue. I didn't know the questions to ask. I didn't know. And so I like to be able to educate people by answering those questions that they don't even know to ask, if, if that makes sense. And being able to, to predict those questions and knowing you know, what you're doing, obviously, the more you do, the better you get. It's the same with being a teacher, the same with, you know, being running a podcast. You get way more efficient, you get better the more you do. You know, I'm mean, the same with everything. And I think if you really want to get into it, then do it. I mean, don't be afraid. I mean, the only way to, to know is if you actually just get off, get out, get out of your seat and do it. Beautiful, man. Very uh, inspiring words there. I love that. Now, at what point did you know that it was time for a product for Loot and Booty? Like, how did you know, like, okay, we're a competition team, we're doing well, let's turn this into the next, like, let's take this to the next level? Yeah, man. Uh, it was right after I came out with t-shirts. Uh, just kidding. <laughs> number one's rub, then number two's t-shirt. Actually, it was, uh, I've been competing, uh, you know, I started in like 2006, so I've been getting into it. I started competing in 2009. And then the uh, first time I qualified for the American Royal Invitational was in 2013. You have to win a Kansas City Barbecue Grand Championship to be able to, to qualify. And I won my first KCBSGC in 2013. So I went to the American Royal in 2014. At that time, Old World Spices, which is you know my current rub manufacturer and a huge rub manufacturer, was having, um, I guess, um, I guess you call it a promotion where teams who placed really well during the open, uh, had the opportunity to work with them to put out their own barbecue seasoning oh, wow. or their barbecue rub. And yeah, it was a phenomenal opportunity. And so they put this out to every team that was competing in the open and you can opt in if you wanted to work with them. If you place in certain categories, I signed it. I said, yeah, that'd be really cool to have my own product. Um, I ended up doing very well that year. In 2014, I took first place in chicken in the open with a perfect 180, seventh place in ribs, and then in the, and that was the invitational, sorry. And in the open, I took second place in pork, 19th in brisket, reserve brand champion. And nice. so I was, my first time there, I was able to walk in all four meets and overall, it was just a, a very amazing experience. Old World Spices, after that event, reached out to me and said, hey, would you like to be involved in our championship rub line um, through the American Royal? We have four meats, chicken ribs, pork, and brisket, and we'd like to have you uh, work with us to create a pork rub uh, for your second place pork and your reserve green champion at the Open. And I said, absolutely, 100%. Let's go. Let's make it happen. You know, you find opportunities, and you take them, and you run with them. That was really my first opportunity with the World Spices to create a product. And so that, that American Royal rub line, uh, another kind of lucky thing and opportunistic thing is, you know, what Old World Spices wanted to do was every year change that rub up. And that line was specifically made for like Walmart. Um, and Walmart said, you know, we have all these customers who like these four rubs. We're not going to change them. You know, why, why change them? So we became uh, that, those four, the, the consistent American Royal Championship line that's still 
pushing out to this day and retailers across the country. They've added a couple more um, to that line, but the original four still have the line. After that line, I wanted to brand my own Luton Booty Barbecue uh, line of rubs. So that pork rub is actually my Luton Booty Barbecue everything rub. I saw how it was selling. Okay, got this product out there. And it, it was the Luton Booty rub, but it was more branded as the American Royal Championship rub line featuring Luton Booty Barbecue. So that gave me that foot in the door to, to create my own branded line. And like I said, I started with the everything rub. Um, it went from there. Old World Spices have a, has a championship rub program where they actually go out and sell the product for you. They distribute for you. They get it in a lot of places currently, like uh, Ace so Hardware, cool. Bass Pro Shops, Cabela's. Absolutely. It's amazing. It's a phenomenal opportunity to have not only my own product, but a sales and distribution team to fulfill everything that I'm going, building my line and building my brand. Um, so like I said, it started with the everything rub. Uh, Gold Star Chicken came after that. What's Your Beef? Jolly Roger just came out. So, you know, that was my uh, most recent one. And then I have one more rub that's um, hopefully by the end of the year we're we're looking at getting out. So that one's going to oh. be exciting. I really, I'm really excited about that one. Must be a seafood rub. The You've got one out for all the others. Um, no, it's it's not very protein specific. Let's say it's regional specific. So think of it that way, and I kind of where I'm from. Okay, and that's enough hints. All yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, so I'm working on that one with Old World Spices right now. And then I have a co-packer here in Phoenix who makes my three sauces for me, which I have a distributor down in Australia, Hark, who imports the whole line. And I've been doing very well with them. They've been a great partner of mine. And they've brought me down to do some events and demos and things with them as well. And they've, like I said, they've been unbelievable partners. And to be able to um, go there and, 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 and share my brand with you guys has just been an amazing experience. Yeah, your gear is doing very well down here indeed. Now, you just started to mention it before, and I, I very rudely spoke over the top of you. I do apologize. You started to mention the pretzels. Yes. So, yeah, that was something that Old World Spices, I remember sitting at the American Royal. This has been about probably four years ago. And Amy, who's our partner with Old World Spices, who runs the championship rub line and whose father started the company many years ago, uh, asked me, she brought over some pretzels and she had them in these different containers and she said, I want you to try these. And I tried several of them. And I said, these are pretty awesome. These are phenomenal. She said, you know what, we're going to run with, we're going to try these pretzels out and we put all of our line of rubs on all these different pretzels and we've test tested them with everybody. And we have four that we, that we landed on and your everything rub is one of those pretzels for our brown sugar hickory line. And so to be able to have my rub on that product and have them distribute and sell that is another thing that, you know, that, that they are partners in my business, not just me trying to, you know, go out and push and then sell them. They're, they're bringing my product into other opportunities and other things and other markets and other businesses, which is, like I said, in, in this business, that's hard to find. You don't really find a, a business who's going to do that. And, and Old World Spices is still a family owned company and they, treat everybody like family and at the end of the day that's that's what we are it sounds a lot like um like perhaps the the secret to your success has been relationships would that be a fair thing to say 100 percent. i think a lot of them not only with old world spices but with companies like green mountain grill 
So, you know, I'm not only a brand ambassador uh, with Green Mountain Grills, I'm a manufacturer's rep. So I cover several states out west where I work with dealers and, you know, um, look at getting product in. And um, I have other people in other states that do demos and events for the company as well. And then I created the GMG Backyard Pitmaster classes. So, like I said, being able to teach 88 classes across the country and internationally, having Green Mountain Grills as a partner of mine to teach on those grills and to be able to share not only that grill, but my brand has, has been a game changer for me because, um, you know, I, I take my, sh my product off the shelf at all these barbecue stores and, and be able to cook with it and put it in somebody's mouth and say, this is what it's supposed to taste like. That's, you know, that's pretty powerful. Uh, to be able to feed somebody, you know, your, your, uh, I guess, passion and your love and your time and your energy. It's, it's powerful. You know? Very handy too. If you're like me and you forget what you need when you go into a barbecue competition, you can just run down the street 500 meters and there's a shop that's got your gear in it. You can just run in, buy some and run back out again. <laughs> right there. It's so easy, man. Put it on, put it on the shelves everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> So with the uh, with the competition side of things, the business side of things, you got your rubs, your sauces, your pretzels. Green Mountain Grill is on board. Um, there's so many different angles that you're that you're playing the game at. Which milestone, either competition or business, means the most to you, and why? Um, that's a great question, and I don't know if I really set my priorities or goals on like milestones per se, but I can tell you teaching 88 classes across the country has been a really cool thing for me to experience because I get to see people from everywhere. And, and, and like I said, put different meats, different flavors, take, take that lamb that somebody has been staring at and say, you know, I'm never going to cook that and be able to cook it and cook it right and put it in there, change their whole perception of that animal. It's, it's uh, I love doing that. And to me, that's a really cool thing is the barbecue classes and be able to do that, um, to be able to get out on the road and, and go not only in my backyard, you know, just cook, you know, do these classes in my backyard every weekend to be able to, to go to other states, to go to other countries and do it. And um, that has been phenomenal to me. And um, I'm, I'm creeping up on 100 barbecue classes taught. I think that'll be a huge milestone. Um, I'm over 100 competitions. You know, I've done well in other events. I think uh, I think my next step in life is a milestone that uh, it's something that I reached recently, and it's it's good to come. And I think it was coming for a while, and um, I'm happy to have it done and be able to put out a, a cookbook. So I've actually been able to. Uh, I've already written it. It's 100 recipes. It is barbecue. So um, this is something that I've been working out for several months, which is kind of. You probably didn't see me a lot in my social media for the last several months, but a lot of it has been put in time on this book. It's a, it's a really tight timeline we're working on. We want to push it out before the holidays here in America so people have time to, to get it out, to, to, to market it, and, and to be able to get it out. So that, to me, was a really cool project that I've worked on. I never thought in a million years I'd be able to you know, teach classes, write a cookbook on, on something I'm passionate and I love. So. Um, I think that's a huge milestone. I think there's many more milestones I don't even know about that are, are, are yet to come. Yeah, that's incredible, man. Congratulations. That is so good. Now, what, what sort of work goes into coming up with 100 recipes, like 100 yeah. book-worthy recipes? 
Yes, exactly. And that, that's, that's what it is. It's a hundred book worthy recipes. So there's a, recipe, a million recipes out there and you throw something out there, but it's been an accumulation of, you know, 13 years of light and fires in my backyard, trying this, <laughs> figuring out what works, what doesn't work. Um, a really cool thing about this cookbook is it's not just my recipes. I have recipes from some of my pitmaster friends that they actually share to me. And so you might see an Australian's recipe in there, you know, a good friend oh. of mine in the recipe. You might see a couple of my good pitmaster friends who I've done barbecue classes with, a couple of their recipes here. You might see some stuff of, you know, things that I've picked up while being in the military overseas. You know, I'm being stationed in Pearl Harbor, Hawaii for three years. I have recipes from going down to Australia and my inspirations with lamb. So a lot of it has been my accumulation of 13 years of travels with the military, with eating abroad, with cooking with my friends and family, with, you know, being on the GMG demo stage at the Casey Barbecue Festival or the Denver Barbecue Festival. And a, on a, a barbecue friend shares this recipe. So yeah, I'm going to put that in the book. So really it's an accumulation of my travels and, and I love that I'm, I'm taking some of my friends and taking their recipes and, and being able to share those with, you know, my audience and then people that I look to, 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 to share the world with, you know. You're listening to the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions podcast with massive barbecue nerd, Ben Arnott. Alrighty, Sterling, we're in the third part of our show now, and this is our lesson segment. So this is the part of the show where our guests get to, to get to teach a mini lesson to our viewers and our listeners. Now, I, I did forget to actually uh, ask you what it was that, that you wanted to do. So did you have a particular topic? Because I, I, I did have an idea written down here. I, I thought maybe your competition-style drumsticks. I thought they looked pretty good. But would you like to talk about that, or would you like to talk about something else? You know what? That's a good one. And I have actually done well with those drumsticks. Um, the cool thing is I have, I think, nine perfect 180s, uh, KCBS 180s in chicken, and I picked one up in drumsticks. It was uh, last year at the Boulder City competition, but I took first place several times, and just recently, I haven't been out of the top 10 in drumsticks probably since I've been cooking them. But um, I switched from thighs to drumsticks recently, so here's big tips. Okay, number one, what did I tell you earlier? Well, know where your meat's from, right? Source your meat. Get the proper get the proper meat. I use a certain specific chicken that's sold in my grocery store. It's a, a pre-enhanced chicken, so it already has some uh, phosphates, carrageenan, and some salt injected to it. And KCBS competitions, um, you cannot add to the meat. You can only take away before it's inspected by the judges. But if it is pre-enhanced by the manufacturer, it's okay, as long as it doesn't have any flavorings like teriyaki, lemon pepper, things like that. So I like to use a pre-enhanced chicken to me you're ahead of the game it's already injected it's already gonna have some flavoring and if i'm gonna do my legs the big thing that most people ask about is i don't have enough skin i don't have enough skin it seems to you know always peel back so how are you going to get more skin to me i use a leg thigh combo so what i'm going to do is take that leg and thigh i'm going to take the thigh out of it so pretty much leave all that skin extra attached i have a lot of skin to work with after that, I'm going to take all that extra skin, kind of peel back, almost where you're holding it, like an ice cream cone. And on the inside of that leg, there's a membrane there. So I take a knife and I shallow cut it out. I want to make sure I get that membrane. I don't want to make sure, I want to make sure a judge doesn't bite it and it's a tug. I want it to be a nice, clean bite. So I just take that membrane out. And then what I'll do is with scissors, I kind of lay all the 
drums out there and I look at them by size. I want them to be uniform. You know, we want to cook uniform. Um, and I kind of judge the middle one and say, okay, this is the middle to to smallest one. And then I'll take that big one and start trimming it with scissors all the way around that head until I'm just kind of working it down to the size of they're all kind of the same. I do that with every single one. After they're relatively the same size, I take the skin and pull it back over. And then with a knife, I'll start taking that skin and taking some of the fat that's under that skin that's just around that part that's going to lay over the head just so I can thin out that skin. Sometimes it's uh, a lot of fat under there. And if you don't take that fat off, it's not going to lay smoothly around the head of that chicken. It's going to have lumps and it's going to not have it. It's not going to have a clean look. So I get as much of that fat off and I take scissors and just trim it to where the skin just kind of lays over that head. And then, then that's, that's number one, you know, you got to pick it out and then trim it right. After you trim it right, um, I kind of store it until it's comp time. Once it's ready to go, I'm going to inject it. So I actually use a chicken injection. I use Swanson's chicken broth. And recently I've been using um, Philip Breeden. He's been killing it on the barbecue circuit. He makes LC barbecue foul play chicken injection. It's great stuff. Nice little kick. I use that uh, as my chicken injection. And I never chill my injection. I keep it warm the whole time. So I actually make it, you know, I usually make it Friday afternoon. I put it in the shaker bottle, put it in my trailer, and just leave it until Saturday morning when I'm ready to inject. Saturday morning after, you know, brisket and pork's been on the grill because it'll start a little bit early. Then I'll inject my chicken. Um, I pull the heads down, inject all around the head. I get as much in there as possible. You know, it's one bite barbecue. You want that everything to boom, pop. Got to be good, clean, but it's got to have flavor. And chicken's bland. You know, you ever boil a piece of chicken? It's like nothing. You know, and the chicken's just bland meat. It needs pop. It needs to wake up. So I, I load it as much as possible. Pull that skin around. I'm going to take my gold star chicken. This is tip number. I mean, you got to use the gold star chicken. Rub. If you're not using gold star chicken, then good luck. Cold stall all around that thing. Put it in a pan. And I like to cook it in a pan pretty much um, at the beginning with a little pat of butter. Uh, another thing we see is on those legs, there'll be a blowout where that skin's going to blow out a little bit if you cook it too long. It's not a good presentation. I like to look, put pats of butter all along where the handle is. Smoke it on the GMG for around and 50 minutes, 55, maybe an hour. just depends on when it's golden and nice. Throughout the cook, I'll spray it with I can't believe it's not butter just to keep that outside nice and golden and crispy. I don't want to say crispy. I want it soft, actually. So I want it golden and soft. And so after it's been the color's right where I want it, I'll take a little bit more butter and put it on the drumsticks, and I'll put foil over it, put it back on the smoker. I usually, and we're at about 300 degrees on the GMG. After I put the foil on, I bump it down to about 280 or so because I don't want, if it steams in there, it can start breaking up those skins too much. So at about the, once I foil it and put it back on, bump it down to about 280, uh, what I'm going to do is open that foil after about 20, 25 minutes. And this is just reading the smoker, reading my environment, reading the, how the cook's been going. You know, that's something that, you know, a lot of people don't talk about barbecue classes, don't teach you recipes and this, but you got to read the, read the cook. You know, the cook will tell you how long to do stuff. How's your grill running? How cold is it outside? You know, there's a lot of that factors into what elevation are you at? You know, a lot of that goes into your cook. So you got to read the cook. So that, that cook will tell you if it's going to be 20, 25, 30 minutes. 
you know? So after the cook tells you, open the lid and I want to make sure none of it's blown out. And then I put a thermometer in the head of that chicken and I want it to be close to 200 degrees, sometimes 202, 203, depending on the elevation. Um, but if I'm close to 200 degrees, that's telling me we're good. Um, I'll take them out, take the foil off. Then I, I do another trimming session where I take the H individually out because they've been sitting in that pan and butter. Bottom's going to be soggy. You know, the seasoning is going to be washed off. There's going to be nothing there. So I take each leg and kind of trim again uh, any loose peaches that are hanging, season again with Gold Star Chicken Rub, and then put it on like a wire rack, every single one of them. That wire rack goes back on the grill, and uh, it's going to be for about 10 minutes. Read the cook, but 10, 12 minutes. Just enough to where that seasoning's set back into the chicken. It's not soggy. I'm not taking soggy chicken and putting it in sauce and then putting it on a rack. I'm taking like dry, nice chicken. You know, I'm not watering down my sauce. It's not going to be a mess. And then I'm actually re-seasoning it to get a nice bite on the underside. So once it's been set about 10, 12 minutes, take it off. Then I dunk it in sauce, put it back on the grill. We're setting it back for 10 minutes or so, just until it tackies up. After that, man, we're, we're throwing in the box, crossing our fingers, and uh, hopefully, hopefully taking a walk. Man, that's thank you so much finish, for that. Man. That's everything, man. I think I I did it. Yeah, that's pretty much per- that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. I've I've you you were so comprehensive. I literally only wrote one question down, and that was just when you've got all that extra skin from the thigh and you're wrapping that around. How do you pin it in place? Do you? Yeah, at- I I don't worry about pinning it in place. To me, if it's wrapping around, if it's too much, I'll, I'll use scissors and cut it. I want it enough to wrap around and just extra. Mind you, that chicken's sitting in this pan of butter this whole time. By the time you take it out, and if it's at 200 degrees, it, it's probably going to be blown out. The bottom of that chicken's probably going to be blown out. I I want it blown out because to me, that's going to be a nice soft bite. It's going to be a bite through chicken skin as long as the bottom is. So that skin, it's just going to dissipate throughout the cook, and you're not even going to know it's there. Also, during that trimming process, when I put it back onto the grill to set. If there's any of that extra stuff, I trim it off then. Ah, very cool. Very nice. All right, look, mate, that's probably a good time for us to uh, to start to, to wrap up this episode. So I'm going to throw the studio over to you now. Give some thanks, give some praise, give some shout-outs to people that have helped you along the way and tell everybody where they can track you down on the internet. Sure, absolutely. You know, number one, I want to thank my family for everything that they've been done and, you know, supporting me and allowing me to go out and live this awesome barbecue adventure and barbecue dream. Um, my partners with All World Spices, you know, who made my product, Jason with Green Mountain Grills has been, you know, like family to me and um, being able to grow with them and, and, and share, uh, you know, classes with everybody across the world. Um, I'm also a partner with Grill Greats and then I'm partner with Blues Hog as well. They help me with a lot of stuff when I've done videos with Barbecue League. So those guys are great. You can check me out at Barbecue Champs Academy. I actually have an online class of all my competition meets. We have chicken ribs pork and brisket and that's through bbqchamps.com um this weekend we'll be at the kansas city barbecue festival at arrowhead stadium with green mountain grills on the demo stage uh we'll also be at the uh, jacksonville barbecue festival in october with that and then q in the loo with our demo stage and that's usually around the first weekend in october uh is when that's happening i got a couple competitions and i'll be in alamosa colorado lubbock texas for an event and the American Royal, hopefully back in Tennessee for the Jack. 
And then um, a couple classes here and there scheduled. Another one in December here in my hometown at Barbecue Island in Scottsdale. So I'm excited for that one that we're getting barbecue classes back in. So we had a lot of stuff going on and, and being able to get out there and, and having the situation back to hopefully getting back to normal. It's a, it's an exciting time and we're ready to go. Sounds good, man. Sounds good. Now, did you include in there where they can track you down on the, on the internet? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Instagram is uh, at uh, Loot and Booty Barbecue and uh, Facebook Loot and Booty Barbecue. And then my website is www.lootandbootybbq.com. Rubs, sauces. I got the pretzels on there. We got merch. We got t-shirts. We got uh, all kinds of stuff. And I'm excited that that portion has been growing as well. And the classes are available uh, linked through Barbecue Champs Academy on my website as well. Beautiful, man. So good. Well, look, Thank you very much for your time, and uh, we we did just see your family return home as we were getting ready to to record. They they walked in and said hello. So I'm sure, and I believe your he looked like a teenager. Your your teenage son asked uh, when's dinner. So I'm assuming he's just about ready to start gnawing on the table there. So I'm going to say thank you very much, exactly. and I'm going to let you go. Thanks, Ben. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks again for having me on. I had a great time. And there you have it, family. That was the one and only Sterling Smith, honorary Australian, pitmaster from Luton Booty. He's got his rubs, his sauces, his pretzels. He's uh, the brand ambassador with uh, with Green Mountain Grill. So many different things that he's doing, and uh, it, it's uh, really exciting to see that uh, things are starting to uh, to brighten up over in America, and they're able to start getting back out on the road. And we just heard him talk about some of his upcoming calendar events, and he's going to be a very busy guy over the summer. So uh, we're very lucky to have scored this uh, amount of time that we were able to spend with him. Now, before I wrap this up for today, just a quick reminder, huge thank you to our podcast partner, OzPig. If you are looking for the ultimate outdoor camp cooker, do check them out. It smokes, it grills, it has rotisserie attachments, uh, warming trays. It's just a phenomenal bit of gear. Do check it out. And it all packs in a handy bag to take in your truck camping or put in your caravan and take it out on the road with you. So it's a really good bit of gear. Uh, head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com, grab yourself a copy of that free ebook, The Beginner's Guide to Real Barbecue. That's out there for you as well. And big thank you to all the people that have joined us in the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue community on Facebook today for this live recording session. We've had a great amount of responses, some great questions coming through. And if you would like to come and join us and be a part of those live podcast recordings and also just be part of a great, nice, friendly, family-friendly uh, Facebook community, do come join us there as well. Of course, the last thing is the socials. So whatever platform you're watching on, do the socials thing, the likes, the shares, the comments, all that helps us out a lot and we would really appreciate it. And now that is all the time that we do have for today. So until next time, take care of each other and keep on queuing. Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips and Ben's own confessions. <laughs>